a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad Chris Taylor. I'm midwife Kath from Birth, Baby and Beyond and I'm really thrilled that Chris Taylor is here and we're going to tackle things about men and new dads. It's an absolute pleasure, Kath, and I'm more thrilled than you are, I suspect, because I've just had a baby daughter. Um, You look remarkable. (laughs) It's it's all Botox. Um, And it's, I mean, I'm absolutely loving it, but I'd be lying if I didn't say there are days where I don't feel terrified, scared, and clueless, to be honest. And I reckon a lot of the other dads I speak to, or dads-to-be, all feel the same, because so much of the parenting literature that's out there or the even the state government resources are kind of still, even in 2023, primarily geared to mums. And modern dads want to be involved. We want to be as hands-on as mums are to the extent we can. So I've got a lot of questions, Kath, mm. and I'm hoping you can uh, hold my hand and answer them. Well, I agree because after doing this for, you know, four decades, I think this generation, your generation of dads are the best. They're wanting to be involved and, you know, I was an expert when I had my son and I still sort of like, what do I do? So, you know, when your body changes and when you've had the baby, it's difficult for everyone in a way. Like it's fun and it's beautiful, but it's hard work. It is. And it's sort of that balance because, yeah, as you say, society is sort of telling all men you need to be, it's a joint project. Mm. It's a joint undertaking raising a child. And yet so many aspects of a young baby's life, the mother is sort of the more important person in terms of breastfeeding and that natural maternal bond. But so I guess over the course of this podcast, it'd be really great to explore what men can do to not only be really good support partners, but useful hands-on dads. For our first episode, we thought where better to begin than conception. And um, Kath, I think a lot of dads probably approach conception thinking, oh, great, this is the fun bit where I get to have a lot of of sex, sex. (laughs) lots and lots of sex, and in nine months' time we'll have a baby. And while I'm sure that might be true for some, I think a lot of other dads, like me, uh, might discover that the reality can actually be quite different. Mm. Well, you can get pregnant first shot. And also there's a different journey for everyone. You know, every woman has, you know, they might have issues, they may, you know, not get pregnant straight away. The man may have issues. The man may have issues. Sperm goes sideways, backwards. They're not there, yep. you know, mm. and you just need one winner. But sometimes there's no winners there. Yeah. And we actually tend to investigate women first. Well, we used to, whereas now it's, you know, if, if a woman comes for any issues with infertility, there's a sperm count done mm. too. Well, I'm happy to share with you, Kath, my partner and I, we went five years without conceiving. Oh, wow. It was quite a yeah. quite a journey. I've got friends who've gone longer, still trying, mm. like eight years in or so. So um, I can speak with some mm. experience to this process and it can be traumatic and harrowing and... Depressing. Could, well, yeah. Anxiety, Ex- Existential yeah. crisis about, yeah, exactly. do I want this yeah. kid that badly? And yeah. all, of, all of these really interesting questions. isn't that interesting when you have to... Oh. When you when it's like tonight, such a chore. Yeah, yeah, such a, it's chore. a chore. If you need to put intercourse in your diary, I think the romance is gone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, look, first question: 
when a couple decides to start trying, what can the male partner do to maximise his fertility? Well, you know, if you talk generally, it's just that you have sex at a, a specific time. Cutting down coffee, caffeine, Coca-Cola, all of those things are very important to do. Right. And it has some effect on the sperm. But, you know, it's about an understanding a cycle. And you know what, Chris? A lot of women actually don't understand the menstrual cycle and ovulation. And and, and that goes doubly of men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, most that's right. of us, I, I speak, I'm sure I speak for a lot of us who say we have no idea what's yep. going on down there. Yep. In a lot of different ways, <laughs> but but the cycle and how ovulation works and when it arrives is is, I mean, it's not taught in a lot of schools. It's well, it's, not, it's not discussed at dinner parties. No. Like, how do you learn that stuff? Yeah. The sort of general rule of thumb, isn't it? If I knew anything about ovulation, it was sort of two weeks after the period. No, that's right. where it's wrong. Okay, I'm already. It's always wrong. two weeks before. <laughs> but isn't that the same date? Well, no. <laughs> well, well, it could be, but you've got to take your ovulation time and. 14 days after you'll have your period. That's what gets everyone confused. I always thought period came first and, and you date it from that. Well, it is, but, but you date it from the first day of your last period and you add seven days and nine months. This has become <laughs> hard maths know, now. Isn't it? I, it's, it's hard it's, enough it's, having sex without having to do arithmetic. On, 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 on cue. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of women that don't know about ovulation or understand it well. And I know men don't. The temperature goes up a little bit, the body temperature. So when you take a daily temperature of, like a woman takes daily temperature, and you actually do it in big increments, you can see the spike of um, her temperature when she's ovulating. Then just prior to the period, her body temperature drops down. You know, so I don't know whether a lot of women know that. And again, what you're saying, we are just not taught, they haven't been taught Mm. well in school. Like, I reckon a lot of people might be using apps these days and yep. you're going, okay, if then my period was then, then maybe this is the the approximate three days we should be going hammer and tongs. Yep. But I also reckon a lot of couples might just be having sex. Randomly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's sort of hoping they hit the jackpot on one of those days. But is it, if you're serious about getting pregnant, is it better to not just have sex willy-nilly right. but to really target it? Yeah, it is. So it's like you have, and this is where you're saying about your period. So you have your period maybe three to five days. And so you actually should have sex every second day. So you're looking at day five, day seven, day 10. Is that to get the sperm reserves back up to strength? Yes and no, but it's also to target ovulation. When you're looking back and when you ovulate it, it again, it goes to the the basal temperature of the woman that, that's risen. So you can think, well, that's when I'm going to ovulate. The other thing is no two cycles are okay. the same. You know that? I kind of, and in my partner's case, who who was even more exceptional, I think she didn't have a regular cycle at all. She she could go a month without a period. She'd go two months. So we had the added handicap Mm. of not ovulating. (laughs) There was no regular cycle, so you you couldn't even make an educated guess as to when the ovulation was within the traditional cycle. You you just didn't even know if ovulation was happening. What you're saying is you don't know when ovulation is happening. So you can't say, "Oh, look, I'm going to. I've got my period today, so I'm going to ovulate in 14 days." It doesn't work. You've got to say, I ovulate, I ovulate it today, so I'm going to get my period in so many days. Yeah. yeah. So each cycle is different. So you're not having every single cycle is 28 days, could be 32 days, could be 50 days. But it has to be that cycle. It doesn't have to be what happened last month. Do you know what a lot of mums or parents have told me is that 
they may have been getting ultrasounds or scans, for just getting things checked. This is mm. before they're pregnant. And it was only because the person doing the scan said, oh, my God, you've got an egg hanging right. You should go home now and have sex <laughs> yeah. rather than waste your time in this clinic. And it was only because they saw the, the physical the yeah. evidence yeah. that yeah. they were obvious. And maybe we all need these scanners in our bedrooms. Well, <laughs> well I think that it's, it's too clinical. Right. So I'm back into the <laughs> natural thing, you know, which I'd always taught, you know, the sort of the natural process of, of ovulation and cycles. And, you know, it really is that women don't understand how they ovulate and, you know, because they're taught in the in the incorrect way. Do you know the, the hilarious, well, I don't know if it's hilarious, but the really interesting irony about all this is when you're a young man in your adolescence, you're so paranoid yes. about getting women pregnant all the time. So are women. And, yeah. and, and many of us yeah. may have. And and then when you want to get someone pregnant, you can't. Yeah, that's <laughs> very that's common. one of life's great cruel it's very common. Okay, so back on male fertility, you mentioned cut back on the coffee and the Coke. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. <laughs> oh, well, okay. well, well, well I was going to in too, terms yeah. of alcohol and drugs, yeah, yeah. You, you do sort of hear mixed advice about Cigarettes. That. Yeah, are you better to yeah, lay absolutely. off? Yeah. yeah, and the women too. Exercise? Nope. Doesn't matter? Nope. And what about those people who swear you should go down to the nearest chemist warehouse, which for everyone is only 20 metres away these days, Yeah. and get those like zinc supplements or – no? Nonsense? No. Yeah. So just – no caffeine or reduced caffeine. Yep. Drugs, Drugs, cigarettes. alcohol. Yep. Can we talk about masturbation? Uh, should a man be cutting back, stopping masturbation if he's trying to conceive? No. Is, is it not wasted sperm if he's trying to save his good boys? Well, well, it depends how often, you know, they're masturbating. If it's every single day, I think maybe cut back a little right. bit, soldier. You You'd know? hope 14-year-old boys, <laughs> yes, who are the only right. people I know who masturbate every day, <laughs> aren't trying to conceive. But right. But it's sort of man in his late twenties or thirties. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, no issue. You, you can no, no. Can ma- so if you said you're trying to have sex every two days, the man can yeah. technically have a can, yes, absolutely, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. Because it's it's. I wish I knew that now. <laughs> <laughs> All the time, um, and it's again about you know understanding ovulation too. So you can masturbate at the beginning of the cycle. But when it's getting to these, <laughs> right. Go, yeah, these right. days closer to the cycle, you right. need to back off. Okay. Yeah. Um, sex positions. Uh, are some better for conceiving than others? Look, or if, no you had, if you could just work a day with me, <laughs> some of the things I get told, I'm like, really? <laughs> you, you left your left leg up for, you know. For three hours, so. Oh, well, you do hear that old wise, that if after intercourse, if the yeah. woman keeps her legs in the air for about four hours. Well, didn't someone. That, that's nonsense, isn't it? Nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense. But, yeah. but what are positions? Like some people do read into, you know, blogs that say, oh, I don't I think missionary is better than. Well, the thing is that when ejaculation happens, it, it's a, there's a bit of force behind it. On a good and we're day? Not, <laughs> we're not, and it's not going sort of miles away. It's just. No. It's, a, it's not a big sort of travel circuit. It's just... So it's as long cost. as it's inside. Long, well, not, a, not oh, not even. Oh, not even. No. Really? I've looked after a lot of gay women who, you know, have done the old um, collect the semen and just got a syringe and put it in and got pregnant on the first go. Yeah. Such an interesting lot. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right in saying that so many people... Have spent their life trying not to not get to. pregnant, yeah. and then it's like, oh, shit, yeah. all those wasted. Times. You, you almost—I mean, for someone like me who 
took took a long time. You almost think, is it karma? Like, was I so irresponsible in my youth yep. that this is yep. the universe's way of punishing yep, me now? Which right. is a terrible way to think, but you yep. do have those thoughts. Absolutely. You know, I think the the wearing of tight clothes and tight oh, jokes. Oh, boxes versus briefs. Yeah, look, I'm into boxes. I think boxes. Do you think there's something to so that? With the with the uh, scrotum sort of having a bit of fresh air and let it have free, it, yeah. let, let it swing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Excellent advice, Kath. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a rule for life. (laughs) Boxes only. But all all the data seems to be saying that people are trying later in life. Oh, yeah. You know, the the, the great advent of feminism is that women are having careers and Mm. wanting to, you know, postpone motherhood, which is all great. But is there kind of a controversial clinical view that you do so knowing that it will be harder? Let let me take a sidestep. When IVF first started you know, sort of late 70s, early 80s. I remember a couple came to, to me to, to help them, just, you know, as a midwife I was helping them, and they were telling me their story that one was deemed infertile. So they booked into IVF. This was early, early days. They went for the first appointment at IVF. She was pregnant. And I cannot tell you how many stories like that I hear. Right. For, naturally pregnant. Yep. yep, naturally pregnant. I mean, years ago, they'd say you just can't have a baby. It's not, that's not said anymore, you know, unless you don't have a uterus. But a lot of women are told, you know, you know you've got this, you've got that, or the sperm is not fantastic. But again, you only need one winner and you only need that ovulation to happen and one act of intercourse that you can get pregnant. And the other thing is when we ovulate as women, that's when we feel like sex the most. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good system. It is, isn't it? When should a couple consider getting help? Let's. How many years of trying or month? When is the sort of what's the alert going up that oh we may have an issue we should get checked out? I would say six months. Okay, six that, months that early. Six, yeah, uh, we were told I'm, a year or so, like trying. So hard, so long, isn't it? Like it, it is. It's hard. Yeah, especially when you're looking at older women too. Well, certainly in my experience, the experts were saying just keep trying naturally because of the randomness we're talking about yeah. and not knowing ovulation. That's only 12 months in a year. That's 12 sort of chances to really nail the jackpot. Yeah. So that's not that many. So I kind of understood that a year of trying naturally was okay, but you think six months. Yeah, I do. Why is that? Well, I think a year's too long. Right. You know, when you're wanting to have a baby and that the tension it can cause through, you know, like, okay, home, sex, do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is hard on couples and it creates tension. And anxiety, you know, and then so you blaming each other. I'm privileged to a lot of conversations that couples have or they talk to me about, and I think that it does become a chore. Okay, so a couple decides they want to see a fertility expert. What happens when you go to a fertility specialist? What can they expect at that first appointment? What what sort of discussions are had? What tests are run? Mm, Well, what I would suggest is first go to your GP, and often GPs... Well, GPs these days know what tests to get done and make an appointment with an obstetrician gynaecologist. So that's the first step. You don't go to a fertility clinic or IVF. You You see a gyna. Then it's like they do a a day 21 progesterone. So you can see if the um, hormones are rising. So we can say whether you're ovulating. Also, they can um, investigations to see if the tubes are patent. 
some women have you know scarring on, on their yep. um, tubes or they may have had a, an ectopic pregnancy. And there's always the inconclusive that, you know, everything's fine. That's what drove us mad. We, yeah, we yeah. did all the testing. Oh, everything looks fine. Yeah. And it's still no baby. That makes you think, um, something's uh, yes. going on in my head. Yeah, you yeah, think yeah. you're cursed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's six cycles. That's why I'd say six months. Mm. Because if you're getting in, uh, investigations, especially if you have, you know, the checking of the tubes to be patient, often after that the tubes are clear and, you know, they might be able to conceive. But so many, Chris, so many people I've looked after, it's just about making an appointment with someone and they go to the first appointment and they're pregnant. Yeah. There's something there. There's some anxiety that, or something up there and, you know, la, la, land. I, I've certainly heard stories like that, yeah. but, but I've equally heard ones such as my own where, you no, know, you're not and you're not for another five years or so. Yeah. Okay, so you've, you've seen your GP, you've seen a specialist like a gynecologist. They recommend fertility treatment. Mm. What, do, you, do you have a view that this is something we wrestled with a bit about which clinic? And there's some people who swear by the expensive private ones. Mm. Um, and then there are others who go, no, no, the, the public ones are just as good. Mm. Do you have a view on that? Well, I've actually only had sort of contact with the private. Look, I really believe both, especially in Australia, we're very lucky with uh, without, yeah. yeah. With public health. You know, it, it, it's obviously a, it comes down to oh, yeah. y- your budget and all of that. Sure. I think there is a theory for those that have the money is go, well, well, why wouldn't you spend it? Like, why muck yeah. around? My partner and I, they sort of wanted to hold our hand and walk us through all the steps. They, they sort of encouraged us not to just go straight to IVF. They said there's these less invasive, less expensive things you can do that are probably worth a crack in our case because they didn't, they couldn't see any real individual mm. fertility issues. Our problem was that the sperm and the egg was weren't talking to each other. But individually, we were great together, hopeless. And I kind of was impatient. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm an older dad yeah, yeah. And, and kind of thought, well, you know, don't want to muck around. Why don't we just do IVF? But they really did encourage us to do IUI, which in lay terms and in crude terms is turkey basting. Mm. It's where you basically, uh, you masturbate into a little jar and they inseminate that with some little device. A lot of gay women do that. Right. When I saw the the success rate, sort of the numbers on that, I thought, oh, we've got to give that a go. Mm. Because A, it's way less invasive. It's basically like sex, just yep. with a more effective yeah, <laughs> instrument doing right. the, the delivery. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and look, that worked for us on our second go. Wow, in the that's end. great. Yeah. yeah. But we were told they had a lot of success. But you don't hear about IUI as much. It's no, all you IVF, don't. IVF. Absolutely. Should more people be trying IUI? Well, as I said, you know, a lot of gay women use it successfully. Right. And I've looked after a lot of women who've just, you know, the guy is in another room, they've got the semen and the turkey baster, and off they go. And first time. And that's why I really believe there's a lot of emotional presence in conceiving because families who stop or couples who stop trying, then they have a baby or they have an IVF baby and then they can't stop getting pregnant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there must be some level of anxiety or I don't know what it is. Stress can't be good for conceiving. No. I mean, you, you never know if these are sort of just anecdotal sort of whether there's any science to it, but everyone sort of says, no, the minute you stop thinking and trying, you'll fall pregnant. I mm. mean, you're at the coalface. You're seeing that. Absolutely. And when a couple have an IVF baby, very common for them to have another yes. one, like quickly. Straight away. Like in two, in, within the 12 months. We've sort of touched on this, but I want to get you to elaborate if you can, Kath. These treatments can be 
incredibly expensive, but also emotionally mm. very taxing when they don't deliver results. What can a man do to support his partner during a long string of mm. failed attempts? I think what is really important is to both want to be parents and both yep. want to go through this holding each other's hand. When you've got one party really desperate to have a baby and maybe the guys, and oh, don't worry about it, you know, mm. it, it, it's, it becomes really hard. And I've seen the fighting and the angst between couples. It's really hard. Yeah. I, I know couples who've stood up over it. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, I think, this may be cliche, but I think a lot of men in Australia don't want to know if they're infertile. Like they don't want to know it's, if they've got a... It's very unmanly to, it's be, very to be shooting yeah, 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 and, yeah. yeah. That certainly is an issue. So when you've got um, a couple on this journey that especially family know, you know, they've got, they've got married and they're happy and got their house and whatever, it's like, well, where's the baby? Are you going to have a baby? Yeah. A lot of people are very rude to you young people asking them when they have a baby. Yes. I would Everyone. never, Everyone. ever, ever ask anyone when they're having a baby because you don't know the struggles and the concerns and the oh, anxieties. So, so having gone through, like, the, I, I now never ask anyone, like, never. are you thinking of kids? Because chances are they are yes. and struggling. Yes. And the last question they want to hear yes. is, when's the kid coming? Yeah. You do hear of couples where, like, where they know one is infertile and mm. one is fertile and the the partner that's infertile is feeling incredibly yeah. guilty. Yeah. And and that can lead to all sorts of a corrosive, toxic yeah. relationship. Mm. Regardless of which sex is the infertile one, what can the man be doing better? Let's say the female is the infertile one and is carrying a tremendous guilt mm. about not delivering a child to a, a male mm. partner who's quite keen. What should he be doing then? I assume easing off the desire to have children or just a more empathetic approach to the treatment? Well, I think I'm a big one about counselling. You know, I really believe having someone who's not involved and sitting talking about your concerns, your individual concerns. There's some great counselling that goes on for this generation again. Like it's harder for this generation, but it's also there's a lot more than when I was having a child, but you know, that was the early 90s. But when you're trying to have a baby and the day the period comes, it's just heartbreaking. Mm. You know, I've oh, had women I just cry, I know, crying oh, and crying. Absolutely. It's awful. Yeah. And I think, you know, for men to understand, whether it's the male or female, whatever it is, you both share that, yeah. that sadness and it's a grief. Every month it can be a grief. I think couples going through this and the roller coaster of trying to conceive they feel like they're going on it alone and yep. they can't tell anyone yep. and they're in their own little prison. Yep. And maybe that's not helpful mm. because they can't. I mean, maybe you've got a really one good bestie mm. who you're sort of sharing with, but you're not just picking up the phone to your mum mm. or your dad because you might just not want to have the pressure of letting them know you're trying. So you're kind of struggling on your own. Yeah. And if you've got, if one of the two people is being a bit of an arsehole mm. about it, that's not great, is it? No, it's not great. And, you know, it's about reacting, you know, for, say, for the male, for the partner, when, you know, the woman says, oh, I've got my period again. It's like, oh, God. You know, like sometimes they can't hide their you, 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 concern. You're and, obviously and, disappointed, but then you very quickly, you kind yeah. of, hopefully your upbringing kicks in. You go, oh, no, I need to be here to support right. her. And I can't, yeah, I can't show her my disappointment. I go, that's fine. And we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll try, try again, again soon. Yeah. yeah. 
But and inside that's not, that's you're dying. Not, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a lonely grief, I really believe, you know, this sort of infertility or trying to have a baby yeah. and, you know, they're grieving, trying to be happy outside because they're not pregnant, they're not, they're it's, just. It's a weird. Do you know what I mean? You're it's, grieving for the absence of yeah, life. Exactly. It's not, yeah, exactly. No one yeah. died. No, like, no, yeah. no. It's the grief of loss yeah. of like, becoming pregnant. You, yeah. You question your identity because, you know, society tells you you must be a parent mm. and. And it's like you failed at the one evolutionary job we had. Yep. And it's really hard. Easier now, I think, than it may have much been. Much easier. Yeah. Much easier. Thank yeah. God we're not in those Henry VIII days where women not only had to conceive but have a boy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's end on a, on a happier note. What's the first symptom that you might be pregnant? Well, these days it's the pregnancy test, the urine. They're very, very, very sensitive. So they're pretty good. Absolutely. Fail-proof? No, well, no, they're, no, they're absolutely sensitive, 100% sensitive. So you know that like, we've all just come out of the pandemic. Yeah. You've got very experienced with rat tests. Yes. And apparently false negatives were possible. False positives were a bit unusual. False negatives, not that uncommon. Pregnancy kits better? Yeah, oh, yeah. They're better. very sensitive. Right. And obviously I talk to a lot of women and they go, oh, well, I've had a positive pregnancy test, so my GP said I have to go and have some blood tests. No, you don't. You no. can't be half pregnant. And final question, Kath. No, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was always, I always wondered, why do you have to wait before oh, telling no. people you're pregnant? It's a lot of hoo-ha, isn't is it? Is it? Yes, I think so. I have always thought so. Why? Well, well, because I think it's a joyous time and, you know, it's a... It's a thing. You it's, finally it's got so good wonderful. news after yes. five years and I've got to sit on it? Yeah, that's right. And... And I know it's our society. I'm not sure if it's ever anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, that's a good question, yeah. And I think it's about, you know, if you lose the baby, well, you then, then you don't have to tell anyone, which is so bad because when you lose a baby, what you want is family around. Someone once put it to me, like, if you're willing to tell someone you had a miscarriage, then you should be willing to tell that same person you're pregnant. I can understand you might not want to tell, like, your Facebook yes. followers yes. that you're pregnant, but, but best, family. nearest and dearest. Yeah. Yeah. I always ask couples, have you have you told your family? Oh, no. And, you know, if they have a miscarriage, again, a very lonely grief. You know, it's important to have family around if you have a miscarriage. We're going to touch on those issues in the next episode. Yes. But for now, Midwife Calf, it's been a pleasure and an education. Uh, and if my partner and I ever decide to try for a second <laughs> child, I already feel so much better equipped, uh, short of having you right there in the bed beside say, I'll us. I be there. If you want to be there, <laughs> no, Chris. our bed's big enough. I'm not saying, <laughs> oh, no, you know what me, I'm saying. Right. <laughs> Just a moral support and advice. Um, and I do hope all the other dads yeah. and dads to be out there have found this just as instructive as I have. I'm Chris Taylor. Please join midwife Kath and me next time for another episode of Birth baby and beyond this has been birth baby and beyond with midwife kath curtin and chris taylor senior executive producer is lorna clarkson executive producer is siobhan hunt audio production by josh newth and music by matt nicolich <laughs>